Hello and welcome to the fifth episode of TP with TP. That's the podcast with Tom Polos. We have an amazing program for you guys today. Fresh off the Sundance Film Festival, actor Chase Williamson joins me, as does Bunny Museum curator Candace Frazee. Also, a guy from my apartment complex claims he's going to drop by. I'll believe it when I see it. Hopefully you guys will hear it. You're listening to the podcast with Tom Polos, a.k.a. TP with TP. Welcome back to TP with TP. I'm here with the young, talented, beautiful, every adjective you'd want to use in a Mad Lib actor, Chase Williamson. That's such a sweet, so many sweet things. I know. I'm whispering sweet nothing. I'm actually yelling sweet nothings. (laughs) Fresh off the Sundance Film Festival where his movie, John Dies at the End, also known as J-Date, premiered Mm -hmm. to a full house and a standing O. Um, Did it? I guess. (laughs) I wasn't there. That's the rumor. It did. Um... But we're very happy to have uh, him on the program. First off, Chase, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I've been wanting to get in this room for months now. And, and here you are. It's It feels like a dream. It feels like it was meant to be. Now, he plays Dave Wong. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you play Dave? Yeah. Uh, in John Dies the End. And to be frank, I haven't seen it. I didn't get, you know, the hook. What? Up. Sorry. Sorry. I didn't see That's it. okay. Um, Not a lot of people have. A lot of people have, and a lot of people really like it. Would you give our audience, since I'm imagining most of them weren't able to go to Park City, Utah, for the uh, Sundance Hipster Festival, would you, would you like to tell us a little bit about what it's about? I'll try. It's basically about this drug that these, like, slacker dudes take, and it basically has, like, a mind is it a literal? Own. Is it a literal drug, or does it yeah. go by a different name? It goes by this, they call it the soy sauce on the streets, because okay. it looks like soy sauce. Okay. And they shoot it up. Uh-huh. And it ends up, you know, like using whoever, whoever shoots it up to to perform its will, <laughs> and if it can't use them, it kills them. What would you say this movie is most similar to? It has its own feel. It has its own sort of horror comedy genre. Mm. But if I go on IMDb, it says it's like certain movies, but I have trouble believing that. What would you yeah. say it's like? It's kind of like a. I had a good description of this. Someone on Twitter said something it was like an equation that made a lot of sense it was like donnie darko plus the matrix plus army of darkness plus the goonies plus Shaun of the dead plus <laughs> buckaroo bonsai plus big trouble in little china so basically they just went to a blockbuster they named every cult movie ever yeah, made. They, went, they went to a blockbuster that was closing down <laughs> and just like checked out that section yeah i think it's kind of like a well, that's very flattering. All those movies are very good. It's no, like, they're sweet movies. It's, it's like, you it's know, a sweet movie. if they're like Chase Williamson, who does he remind you of? Well, you know, it's like Al Pacino meets Robert De Niro mm. meets Vern Troyer, you know, and People, just goes on from there. Yeah, I mostly get either the Twilight guy or Carrie Fisher. <laughs> <laughs> we could all be so lucky. So it had a midnight premiere. What was that like? I'm sure the audience was electric, although frigid. How was that? Indeed. Um, it was awesome. It was really, I was really scared. So I was like, like nervous to see really how the nervous. audience yeah. would take I, it. Yeah. Because you know, I've, n- I've never done a movie before, so I've never like had my, my work out there. And, that that, and that's something we want to commend you on because although this was your first feature film, the reviews have been nothing but flattering as far as people were actually worth reading. Everyone tends to say, uh, Chase Williamson, first timer. Chase Williamson, this, you know, and they they tend to um, shine good light on you. Well, thanks. Yeah, I, I mean that was lucky. That's, that's <laughs> cool. It's encouraging. Yeah. But um, you know, so you were nervous going into the premiere. I was super nervous, and um, when it started, I was like, 
like totally out of my body pretty much my parents mm. were sitting behind me and my brother and a couple of my friends were sitting next to me and I kind of felt like I was going to pass out and then it started and people were just going nuts like as soon as it started now this originally was sort of an ebook yeah it was like an internet serial that novel. the director Don Coscarelli uh, adapted into a screenplay right. was it with the help of the uh, writer David Wong who happens to be your character's name because it's written from the perspective of you the lead indeed one of the many com complex um I've developed a complex just thinking movie. about it yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah Don adapted it from the from the novel I don't think that do you call him the Donald the Donald yeah yeah I do now <laughs> yeah <laughs> The Donald adapted uh, the screenplay from the novel by this guy, David Wong, who, whose real name is Jason Pargan. Don Coscarelli directed and adapted the screenplay, and he's known for a couple of cult classics himself, from Phantasm to Bubba Hotep to... Beastmaster. Indeed. And <laughs> what did he bring to this project that a different director wouldn't, and how has John Dies at the End impacted your view on him? Oh my god. Well... I was a huge fan of his before, and I think he is just like a crazy genius in terms of doing really ambitious and imaginative things on a tiny, tiny budget, and it gives him his own really particular, he, all of his movies have a really particular tone of just like being surreal and kind of hilarious and kind of creepy at the same time, and it's just, it's crazy what he can do with no money at all. And it's it shows through in his work, I think, that he just like does it because he loves it. Speaking of money and for love of the game, one of the other actors in this film happens to play Kevin an executive. <laughs> He's Dancing with Wolves. I'm sorry, he wasn't available. Uh, one of the other actors happened to be the executive producer on the project, and mm -hmm. he um, goes by PG, Paul PG. Giamatti. Yep. And Paul Giamatti's in this film. Uh, He's did, in it all right. What did, I believe he plays Arnie. Uh, Arnie Blonstone. A, a journalist who deals with you on a daily basis or something like that. Uh, one day. <laughs> a day. A day basis. basis. What did he bring to the project outside of the funds? And did he come to Don or David Wong with the idea? How did that ball mm. get rolling on creating the project? Well, apparently, like... A few, like, five years ago, maybe, Paul did some interview with Variety where they were like, what director would you like to work with? And he said Don Coscarelli. So then Don was like, oh, and they called him up. And they, <laughs> he was just waiting by They got to be, like, really good friends. And Paul's, like, a huge fan of Don's, which is just makes me love Paul even more. And mm -hmm. they, they were trying to get a Bubba Hotep sequel off the ground for, like, two years, and it never happened. He was gonna, Paul was going to play Colonel, Colonel Parker. Wow. And um, it didn't happen, and then Don was like, I have this thing that I wrote, and Paul was like, sweet. Let's do it. Yeah. Well, Paul Giamatti's very talented and also has that face and name recognition. Wait, there was, <laughs> there was one night where you're standing outside this theater or something in Park City, and this woman walked by Paul Giamatti and was like, oh my god, Paul Giamatti, <laughs> we always tell my sister that her baby looks just like you. <laughs> and he was like, it must be a beautiful child. <laughs> <laughs> Did the baby have a very bushy beard? It probably. <laughs> That's the thing. So you worked with him on this film. Mm-hmm. What did you learn from him? What will you take from your experience to your next project? Um, 
I'd say the coolest thing about working with him and also with Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown, who I know from Shawshank Redemption, right. but then I realized I'd know him probably. From all kinds of All things. kinds of things, and he's Mr. Crab yeah. on SpongeBob SquarePants. He's the best. Yeah. He is so cool. Both of them are just. Clancy Brown also sounds like a John Grisham novel. Yeah. <laughs> he could definitely. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. We'll look into that. Yeah. We'll, we'll write it up. I in have ver- his number. We'll write it up in Variety Magazine. <laughs> I'll see who picks it up. See if he reads it. But um, I think, guess what I learned the most from them is the way they handled themselves on set, like the way they interacted with everybody and the way that they just carried themselves and were present on set versus how they were when they were jumping into the scene was exactly how, I mean, I'm, I, I really want to bring take that away from me and do that in my work because they were just really super down-to-earth people but really, really good at what they do. And they didn't carry any, like, anything. Yeah, they weren't above the situation. Yeah, no. They they were just there to do a job, and they weren't taking themselves too seriously. They didn't take anything too seriously. But then once we were, you know, in the scene, it, it was full commitment. And it was great for me because, I mean, when you're, like, sitting at a table across from Paul Giamatti, like, all you really have to do is just, like, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you just, like, put all your attention on him. Because it's like, wow, I have the best scene partner in the world right now. <laughs> <laughs> I might as well just like step it up and have fun with this. Now, do you have a favorite movie or series that he's been in? And were you able to confide in him any of that? Um, I told him that I really enjoyed Lady in the Water. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say to that? He was like, really? You like that movie? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I really liked John Adams. That was amazing. Yeah, and Sideways, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, pig vomit in private, private parts. <laughs> this is fantastic. Speaking of best scene partner in the world, mm. I want you to finish the following sentence. Solving the following riddle will reveal the awful secret behind the universe. Assuming you do not go utterly mad on the attempt. Let's say you have an axe, just a cheap one from Home Depot. On one bitter winter day, you use said axe to behead a man. Don't worry, the man's already dead. Or maybe you should worry, because you're the one who shot him. He'd been a big, twitchy guy with veiny skin stretched over swollen biceps, a tattoo of a swastika on his tongue, and you're chopping off his head because even with eight bullet holes in him, you're pretty sure he's about to spring back to his feet and eat the look of terror right off your face. That happens to be a line that Chase says in John Dies at the End. As you can tell, wonderfully loopy stuff. <laughs> really something to bring the kids to. That was right off the top of my head. Actually, it really was. I had the notepad in front with the opening line and Church just, Chase just finished it. Uh, so <laughs> we would like uh, you to enjoy that for one moment. Sundance, as we joke about, is sort of a hipster destination. Mm-hmm. Just like Tumblr. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Would you like to tell me if my perception of Sundance is true? It has a lot of cool parties, a lot of wonderful uh, film projects get great exposure that they wonderful wouldn't film pro- it's ordinarily a, it's get. A, it's a gorgeous community. Truly. Um, and this little this little town, Park City, gets in all these wonderful people. Real cute little town. Did you, did you have any uh, encounters of the third kind with hipsters? Oh, yeah. I mean, they're everywhere. They're littered across the streets. Littered? <laughs> oh, no. They're everywhere. Hipsters do tend to litter and there litter. Were, there were more hipsters than intelligentsia. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone had poor eyesight, it seemed like. 
like they were all like they squinting? They all had huge hipster glasses. Oh, I see. Yeah, but you know, there are, there are all types of people there, really. Well, I also find with, with hipsters, they have poor eyesight because they're, you know, they're wearing the huge glasses. It's but because also, they read too much. They, they, and yeah, and they listen to such good music. Mm-hmm. But they, they can't walk straight because the, the jeans are too skinny. That's so sad. I know. That's so sad. These are my tears. <laughs> I'd catch it in my coffee bean cup. Oh my god. Made from some. recycled hipsters. <laughs> um, Found on the streets any, of any, any quotes that you want to share with us? Anything on a light note from, from the hipster community that you heard? I think of some good ones that I heard. There was one guy who was talking to my friend. We went to one party while we were there. Sounds like you had a great time. How it long were you there? It was super fun. Um, like six days. Oh, wow. Yeah, but I had just come off another shoot. Six days. And one, I was super tired, so six I was days, a lot of the time. You saw the movie, how many, your movie, how many times? Only twice. And it showed four times? Yeah. All, Not, all it, at midnight? No. Well, there were two at like nine and two at midnight. Mm. But I left before the second two, which was sad. Give me a hipster quote. Um, okay, so this guy was talking to my friend, and he was like, um, I don't know, I just really like Sundance a lot more than Calm, because, like, Sundance is really, like, self-indulgent, and Calm is just, like, pretentious, and I just, like, I like, I'd rather be self-indulgent than pretentious right now. <laughs> I love right now. Right now, I'd like to like, give you a sandwich full of uh, nails. <laughs> I was like, cool, this is where I am. <laughs> This well, is what people say. Welcome to the party. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Speaking of oh my god, do you have any new projects ahead? What can we see you in if we the people can't make it to Uta? Uta Hagen? <laughs> Not Uta Hagen, but I do love her work. <laughs> oh god. I like Uta Hagen Das. She is one of my greatest. I scream for Uta Hagen Das. I scream for it. I scream for her. Yeah. Um, I did another indie film with Good. with Clancy Brown. You have a genre. I do. Yeah. I only work with Clancy Brown, and oh, I, I thought only... you only work with, I thought you only work with Indians. Oh, I only work with Indians. Yes, yeah. Comanche. Yeah. <laughs> there should be more roles for Comanche women. I know. I saw a breakdown that was like a strong, sexy Comanche woman, and I was <laughs> like, why, why isn't that a regular fixture? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What happened to them? Um, but yeah, it's like a superhero movie. It's, cool. It's like a noir. Noir superhero, <laughs> noir superhero thing. It's set noir. in the forties. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's uh, Clancy Brown, Ashley Bell, the chick from The Last Exorcism that like bends around. Cool. And uh, Jake Busey, <laughs> who is awesome. Clint Howard, uh-huh. who is also awesome. Everyone was really cool. And and when can we see this new flick? They're trying to get that one done real quick, so hope maybe soon. A quick flick. Yeah, but you know, these indie things, you never know what's going to happen. You know, <laughs> likely to be on Instagram. Yeah, but other than that, I mean, I'm doing I'm doing Spring Awakening. It's a musical. I've heard of it. Yeah, I'm doing that here in L.A. Do you do sadness? I don't do <laughs> sadness. <laughs> you just got that for free. Yeah, that's going to be 25 bucks come March. <laughs> but... Yeah, I'm doing that. That's going to be cool. I haven't done a play in forever. Cool. So when is that fun. in Los Angeles, I imagine? It's March 16th through April 8th. Mm-hmm. It's nice to do a play again, you know, because when you're doing that sh- stuff, everyone's just, like, super happy to be there. Everyone, you know, and everyone wants to be friends. It's like theater kids, bonding. Sometimes when you do movies, it's a little more... Everyone has their job. Everyone has yeah. their business. They're just it's trying to more go work, work-like. Right. But it's still... 
amazing fun at the same time. Well, speaking of work, like I know we've put on the persona that you know we're we're strictly business um, relatives, mm-hmm. but um, we we full disclosure full disclosure. One of the first experiences I had with Chase Williamson was um, crashing the Emmy Awards mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. This was God. Say, we were young. Yes, I would say six years ago. Jeez. I know. Time flies when you're crashing awards shows. Yeah. I wonder if Tony Shalhoub remembers us. I know. And so we had that experience where we saw a very short Jon Stewart. Tiny Whole- and perturbed. To be to be frank, I like The Daily Show, and he, he wasn't very friendly. He was not a nice man, he was, from what I could tell. He was holding his Emmys and clutching them, and like, like he, <laughs> he knew we weren't supposed to be there, and he was like jabbing them at us. Yeah, he had heated them somehow. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that worked. And then we saw Tony Shalhoub, who was really nice. He was the best. He gave he, us a thumbs up. Yeah, he was a monk. So was um, friar. Phyllis from The Office. Yeah, she's a sweetheart. She was great. Yeah. I wanted to give her a hug. Definitely, just... Hug and squeeze and nuzzle. Yeah, that was one of the weirdest. It was really weird because we were dressed like schlubs, and somehow mm-hmm. we made the wrong I turn. I had a USC shirt and onto like the red carpet shorts. Yeah, and I definitely was wearing a typical like polo khaki and wallabies. Definitely not I black tie. I couldn't have looked more like a college freshman. I, <laughs> <laughs> I might have had a backpack. Right. Well, we've all. Gra- <laughs> that sounds dangerous. Um, yeah, it seems like they would have been more sketched out than they were. We were there for like twenty minutes, just straight chilling. Well, this interview has lasted close to that, and we're very grateful that you've taken the time on I'm TP really with TP. So thank I'm, you. Thank you so much for having me. I love it here. Um, hopefully, one day I can come back and we can talk about this time. Yeah. When we were here. Absolutely. And- hopefully, it won't be six years. Oh, I probably. It's <laughs> it's a rough business. <laughs> And that about does it. Thank you very much, Chase. Thank you so much. I would like to now present you with this gift that I've brought. <laughs> Thank you. you. Oh, it's, my. Uh, Chase just presented you with a three-pound bag of gummy it's a, bears. It's a gummy bears. They're in, a, Thank in you. the mold of the... Cornish hen. <laughs> so gummy hens. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for the gummy hens. We're gumming back right after this. Here we are live at the Bunny Museum in Pasadena, California. I'm here with the co-owner and curator of the Bunny Museum, Miss Candice Frizee. Candice, welcome on the show. Oh, thanks for hopping over, Tom. <laughs> always, happy, always happy to hop over. This is the hoppiest place on earth. It is. Um, so the Bunny Museum in Pasadena is a living museum. It is the home of Candice Frizee and Steve Lubansky. Oh, that sounds like such like a Russian poet. <laughs> Um, Polish. So, well, you know, neighbors. <laughs> um, but speaking of neighbors, you live in beautiful, sunny Pasadena, and you own and run this amazing museum. And you, Candace, and your husband, Steve, own the Guinness World Record for the, the most, most bunny, bunny items in the world. How about that? Almost 29,000 now. 29,000 bunny-related whatever items. whatever number I tell you, by the time this airs, the number will be wrong. <laughs> okay. That's good. But it will it only grows. go up. It won't yes. go down. No, 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 never. But you got to get up to get down if you're a bunny fan. Well, even if it's down, because yeah. we do break things, we put them in the Garden of Broken Dreams. Did you see it outside? <laughs> no, I did not. If we have... If I we... walk along the boulevard of Broken Dreams. <laughs> if we break a dish or a cup, you know, we just plant it in the garden to grow again. Now, how big is the garden you of dreams? You just laugh at that. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> You're so serious. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Everyone who knows me knows that. Um, uh, what is in the Garden of Broken Dreams? Plates and cups and champagne oh, my. and pots and uh, figurines. You know, the ears break off of most things easily, very quickly. Mm -hmm. That's the first thing they'll break off is an ear. Now, so. with, with this collection, you have over 29,000 items, which is unbelievable. Uh, you have it categorized when you walk through this living museum. You have, can you break down the categories for us of things in, well, yes. in, in you, place? Well, yes, you know the saying two's company, three is a crowd. Do I ever? That's what my parents used to tell me. <laughs> so are you an only child? <laughs> no, I'm the third. <laughs> okay, so anyhow, for us, two's a company, three is a category. Okay. <laughs> so if it's three or more of something, we make the category. Like we have a category of all the bunnies holding carrots. Mm -hmm. And then we have the snow globe section and the salt and pepper section and mm -hmm. the different countries, uh, Mexico, Canada. We have um, uh, Hong Kong. We have all these different categories. I cannot remember them all over a hundred and something categories. What's amazing is uh, how overwhelming, but in a good sense, it is when you walk through this. this oh, good. Yeah, this amazing exhibit because th there are certain, you said categories, there are certain exhibits, there are certain uh, stuffed bunnies in one room. There's salt and pepper bunnies. There are giant bunnies, little bunnies, bunnies from afar, bunnies from close. Where do you go about collecting them? Well, we look everywhere, of course, even uh, the grocery store will have stuff at Easter. So during Easter, you can get items. Oh, that must be like the promised land Oh, it's land fabulous because a month prior to Easter, there's items for sale. And then, of course, the whole month of Easter. And then after Easter, you go really shopping to get things 50% off. <laughs> that's right. That's when it gets, that's, that's so, when it gets hopping mad in the right. aisles. So outside of Easter, it's hard to find bunny items. So we'll go to swap meets and yard sales and antique stores and we call it bunny hunting. Oh, I like that. <laughs> we're, we're vegetarian. Yeah. We're vegetarian. <laughs> so the whole, it's a double pun. Now, do you have, it's, uh, it's a double bun, bun bun. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite bunny character or favorite rabbit character? Am I allowed to say rabbit in this house? Or is... Sure, if you want to, but we call them bunnies. Okay, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I take it all back. Uh, do you have a favorite bunny? Do you like bugs? Do you? Do you... Well, it's funny. Everyone comes and they want to know what's our favorite item in the museum. Sorry, we... there's a live cat. I know, scratching away attacking here. a, a, a not only do they have bunny card. Not only do they have living bunnies here, but they have living cats. We and do. Benji is it, a Bengal tiger. Literally a Bengal tiger living yep. amongst bunnies. Yeah. So this is what we're dealing with here. <laughs> Back to who your favorite bunny is. Please well, enlighten me. Everybody always asks what's our favorite bunny, and we don't have one. Because I'm not everybody, just so you know. <laughs> no, every bunny. <laughs> um, every bunny in the club. They're all to. equal. But I must tell you that Lola Bunny would be my favorite if you push me. Oh, you know her. Most people don't know her. I know Lola, especially from Space Jam. Yeah, you know Bugs, Bunny's, Bugs Bunny's girlfriend. She yeah. was introduced in Space Jam. The reason I like her is because all the famous bunnies mm -hmm. are boy bunnies. That's true. Peter Rabbit, Br'er Rabbit, Roger Rabbit, Thumper, Rabbit from Winnie the Pooh, mm -hmm. White Rabbit. They're all boy bunnies. Mm. So, And people say to me, well, what about Peter Rabbit's mother? Yeah. And I'm like, what's her name? <laughs> <laughs> Peter, Peter Rabbit's, Rabbit's mother, mother. <laughs> obviously. Uh, so that's why I like Lola because she's a girl and she does look a little bit like me. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> oh, of course. Uh, I like the phrase white rabbit because I was told growing up by a fire, if there's ever smoke in your eyes, you would say white rabbit, white rabbit, and it would go away. 
I don't know I've never heard that one. I know. How about that? I'd rather that serious or you make that up. No, no, it's, I'm dead serious. I've never heard that one. Yeah. The one I have heard is that on the first of every month, you're to say rabbit, rabbit, rabbit. rabbit. Yeah. I say bunny, bunny. Yes. <laughs> That's what you should say, of course, especially in the but bunny But I've never museum. heard the fire one because I've never been in the fire. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I don't think it'll work, folks. Don't try this at home. <laughs> but we are in the line of fire here at the Bunny Museum. And Candace is being very humble right now, but she's also um, a award-winning author. Would you like to tell us I about am. the books you've written? I've written three books. They're about angels and life after death and Emanuel Swedenborg, from a philosopher from the 18th century. And all my books have won two book awards. The first was There's an Answer. Mm-hmm. The second was More Answers. <laughs> a fitting sequel. <laughs> Updating. Yeah. And the third one is a children's book, and it's called Hey, Aunt Bunny, I Have a Question. And is that based on the questions your niece have a- has asked my, you? My, our godson. Okay. Our godson, yes, Jonathan. It's very cute. He would ask questions. All kids ask questions. Mm-hmm. But I started writing them down and Isn't recording Isn't that the problem, them. kids asking questions? <laughs> wouldn't it be a better world if kids stopped asking questions? <laughs> like, who's God? Where's God? What does he look like? Yeah. How do you get to heaven? Well, that's getting that pretty kind. intense. <laughs> well, that's what the book's about. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a Christian religious book. And it won the best national children's Christian book. Not Christian, religious book. I was going to say the Bible usually wins that. Well, here's the joke. Okay. You're, 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 you're jumping on all my jokes. So okay. It is the so Bunny Museum. It, I'd rather jump than. That's right. Hop off. Okay, so it's the it won nationally the best religious children's book in the United States. It won internationally the second. I came in second to Desmond Tutu. Wow. Now here's the joke. He did the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you compete with Desmond Tutu yeah. rewriting the Bible as a children's book? So, so you can't. He was one. You and were two two. two. No, he was two-two. I was two. Okay, so there we go. What's you gonna do? What's you gonna do? But I don't mind. That's an honor coming in second to Desmond. Two-two. Absolutely. Okay, Trent. Um, what was I going to say? So, so uh, we were talking about um, your your award-winning work in Desmond Tutu and celebrities all over the place at the Bunny Museum. I'm not the first to visit it. You've had how many visitors? Well, we've had um, over 18,000. Over 18,000 visitors have come. And, of course, some have been celebrities. You've had people like Elijah Wood. He did three TV commercials for us. That's wild. Very, very funny. 80s style. Yeah. And they're on Funny or Die. People can look it up and see that he was very funny. Speaking of funny, uh, uh, a man by Adam Carolla. He's been here. He's been here. And he, uh, you said... Just before, when we when we were talking, we were having a laugh, and we were both sort of tearing up of how how hilarious this entire conversation has gone. Now. It was a similar experience to when Adam Carolla came by. Well, I, I have to tell you, he was so funny that I had a pain in my stomach because I kept doubling over. Uh-huh. And he was actually funnier off camera than he was on camera. Right. Okay, I'll tell you one thing that he did that wasn't on camera. So he... Um, you're not supposed to really touch anything in the museum, but he, of course, went overboard and tried mm. to, you know, get me. So he opened a silverware drawer in the kitchen. Yeah. And all the, all these ants crawled out. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, oh, this place is disgusting. It's so dirty. It's got all these ants. Okay. But this was the time uh, everybody had ants. It was like a, everybody, just, everybody. Everybody had ants. Okay. So I said, oh, come on. Everybody has ants. And he goes, Gwyneth Paltrow doesn't have ants. <laughs> And I said, oh, no, she has ants. Believe me, you you have everybody has ants right now. And he goes, yeah, but hers are rich ants. <laughs> <laughs> well, that reminds me of a book I've read recently. Um, your book. Yeah. Your book's hey, Aunt rich Bunny. Ants. Hey, Aunt Bunny. I have a question. Yeah, I have a question. Well, there's any reason been filled with questions. Um, and, this, and this house is filled with amazing things. But outside oh, the house, you. outside the house, there's one 
huge big ticket item that gets people in off the street. Well, what's so funny is? about that is... What is so funny about that? <laughs> it's a rose float from the Rose Parade. It's the City of Downey's float. There were three bunnies roller skating, so we call them roller. And we planted ivy on it and it took about five years to completely crawl up and cover it. Mm -hmm. Now, because it's so green, it blends into the lawn. Believe it or not, a lot of people don't notice it. And it's 14 <laughs> feet what tall. What do your neighbors think of the Bunny Museum? I'm sure they're incredibly supportive, but is there any bad apple in the bunch? No, no. And what's fun is that somebody will come. We have open houses every holiday. You don't need an appointment. So Christmas or Thanksgiving or some holiday, uh, some kids will come over and they'll say, oh, my grandma, the street up, told me to come over here. OMG. Oh, my grandma. Or or my uh, my mom told me to come down or, or our friend told us. So all the neighbors, neighborhood people know and they send people over and it's really fun. Great. So we get to meet our neighbors. <laughs> but we have eight floats from the Rose Parade. And and some of those are in the Garden of Dreams. Yeah, and there's a couple in the house. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's a there's three in the house that won't ever get covered. Um, they'll stay pristine the way they were on the floats. And people always think they're all made of flowers. Mm -hmm. But they're made of thistles and down and coffee coffee grounds and broccoli. So it's all different. It has to be organic. Um, speaking of living things and thistles... How many living bunnies are in this house? We have two real bunnies that hop around. They're not caged, and they're litter box trained. Now, I say that just because people understand that, but there's no training involved. Mm -hmm. They just do it themselves. They just jump in the box and eat and poop at the same time. And, <laughs> yeah. Don't we all? <laughs> well, cats will bury, and bunny uh, dogs have to go outside, but the bunnies just do it. And I think Benji's looking at me and falling asleep. She is. Well, it's because she hears my voice. So oh, okay. She, if we moved Better to another room, she, <laughs> she would follow me. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you're going on about I think she two, knows we're two, talking about her. two bunnies, um, Inky and Monterey? Yes, yes. And we have a bunny store. How old are they? Uh, Monterey is seven and Inky is five. How, how long do bunnies live? Outdoors, six to eight years. Indoors, eight to ten. Okay. They live longer indoors. And the things that always live on is bunny merchandise. So you have a bunny store. <laughs> like that transition? See what we, I did there? Very good. Um, yeah, we what's have a, in no, the bunny store? No, we have a bunny store. Not at this location. Oh. It's a different location. And three real bunnies live there. Okay. That's where I was going. <laughs> <laughs> where do I go? But we do have bunny items here that people want to pick up. Uh, they want to pick up a postcard or a t-shirt or a magnet. We do have them here at the... Mm -hmm. At the museum location. And they can also go to your website, which is? TheBunnyMuseum.com. TheBunnyMuseum.com. And we're also on Facebook. Facebook. Uh, can they like The Bunny Museum? Of course. No, because they can love it. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> oh, mercy me. There's a wonderful little thing happening right now as I conduct this interview. I am also being filmed. It's a very surreal experience. <laughs> uh, an interview, being interviewed, being interviewed. It's like looking in two mirrors. Uh, you just keep going back and forth and back and forth. And this cat is still staring at me. Hi, Benji. And um, Yes, Candace, we're filming you for our new talk show. Yes, Candace is, and Steve are doing a talk show on... From which, the Bunny Museum. Which is launching on Valentine's Day. Yes. Which launched Valentine's Day. And Valentine's Day is another important day in your and Steve's life. Well, yeah. that's where the collection started. The collection started yeah, he on gave February fourteenth. Uh -huh. What year? Uh, Nineteen years ago, he gave me a Valentine's Day because I was calling him my honey bunny. Mm -hmm. We were boyfriend and girlfriend. 
So he thought it was really cute. So he gave me a bunny. And then I gave him one at Easter. And then eventually it got every day. So because the collection started on Valentine's Day, we have started our talk show on Valentine's Day. That sounds perfect. And it's called Hop On Over? Hop On Over. Hop On Over. And where can they find that? On the Bunny Museum website? Yes. Well, the link will be there. Mm -hmm. But it'll be on YouTube, a channel, the Bunny Museum channel. Excellent. And they can click there. And so your your collection started on that fateful February 14th. When did the museum start? 13 years ago. 13 years so ago. So we were collecting so a number six, of years. Six years to right. get the collection rolling. Well, yeah. Well, we got the record to around. To get <laughs> We got the Guinness record around 8,000. Mm -hmm. And we opened up prior to our getting the Guinness record. So it's just been a growing, multiplying thing that we've done. Just like bunnies. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and we wish you the best of luck. And we can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule oh, to sit down you. and talk with us on TP with TP and uh, share your amazing collection, amazing stories with us. Oh, thanks. Well, thanks for hopping over. <laughs> Everyone should hop on over if you're ever in the area. Uh, you need an appointment. You, well, you need an appointment, but just go to thebunnymuseum.com for right. more. You can check out everything all things good all things are hopping right there and no appointment on any holiday even the obscure st patrick's day president's day labor day things that people wouldn't think would be we'd be open but we are excellent you know cinco de mayo that's right I bet <laughs> chinese <Cinco> de... <laughs> new year <laughs> chinese new year i bet it's really fun here at the bunny museum <laughs> um all right uh well we're gonna take a break but thank you very much for coming thank on. you for hopping over <laughs> have a happy day Right, that's our program. We really want to thank you very much for checking us out on Oh, hey guy from my apartment complex. How you doing? Hey, how oh sorry, I'm interrupting this thing. No, no, it's okay. I just record everything anyway, so oh. just come on in. Oh. How you doing? Uh, you know, hanging in there. Yeah, having a tough week at work? Yeah, yeah, work this chest week, chest life getting chesty? Oh, oh checkmate. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Separate checks. Yeah, I, I wish. Yeah. Um, so what's what's been happening in the world of chess teaching? Well, uh, I I teach after school chess to uh, elementary schoolers. Mm -hmm. um, and I, my uh, dear Watson. Watson. <laughs> elementary. <laughs> oh oh el so yes. Um, yeah. So I teach at elementary schools, and I, I teach at this one elementary school in particular, and it's just been terrible. Oh no! I, I see. I see on your face the pain. What, what's what's been going on? It, I just. I don't have any control over the situation. Feeling a bit like a pawn? Yes. Yes, I'm feeling pawned. <laughs> yeah, you're a pawn star. Uh, I The kids are just going to the bathroom all the time, and I just, for a while, I was letting them go, and then they were wreaking havoc in the halls. Uh, and I recently, though, had, had, had like, this, a good hour. Okay. Uh, the, like, ringleader wasn't there. But then at the end of class, and now... I need I need your your listeners at home, listen up, in this radio moment to picture uh, boards that are like you roll them out to the, like little rugs with uh, plastic pieces with metal weights in them, but if two people grab ends of these boards, they can fling all the pieces into the air. So I didn't want this to happen. So what I, did, I had this genius idea. I said, everybody, put your hands in the air. It was great. It was like it was like I was robbing a bank of, of, of toddlers um, <laughs> with TRS. It, it was awesome. Yeah. Um, but then some kids realized that this meant we were about to clean up soon, and they really wanted to fling the pieces in the air first. And so it turned into so they they fling the pieces with the chessboard. Yeah, yeah. So like they the board and the 
normally mag- they keep magic the board, carpet ride but the yeah the pieces the pieces go up and it really it sucks yeah to have to clean up yeah to have to clean up and also just in on general principles like no don't, respect the pieces don't do that value yeah so there's that how do you calm them down have you had any moments of absolute clarity where you've been able to relate to these kids or do you have any other instances where it's just been off the wall oh, well the, the, there was i was so it was, it was the end of this class this class that all hell had broken loose when the pieces were up in the air uh this one kid fion uh after i had wrangled control of the class the kids count up all their pieces they pull the pieces away but it's like i have this moment where like i really need to get all the pieces in and deliver prizes at the end of the class otherwise this isn't gonna go well and Fionn's counting out his pieces one by one. He's probably learned how to count like the past year. So he's <laughs> counting so slowly. And he's like, I have 33 pieces. And I'm like, okay, that's great. Um, and then... 33 pieces. 33 pieces. A, a normal chess set only has 32 pieces. Ah. Um, and he asked me, that's the right number of pieces, right? And I said, yeah, yeah. Chess, Just to get him out of there. Chess boards have 33 pieces sometimes. Wink, wink, listeners. Yes. And this this father who was about to pick up his, his offspring... Um, Give it to me, baby. <laughs> uh, his little larva over here uh, says, no, chessboards always have 32 pieces. And so Fiona has to pour out all of his pieces on the board. and I just I So was... the dad threw you under the bus. Yes, yes, yes. Probably literally because it was a school. I w- that would have been a preferable fate. <laughs> so what else is new in the world of chess? Well, we're still looking for Bobby Fischer. Oh, the search continues. Yes. I hear there are FBI agents looking for him. True? False? Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, I'm, I'm in a bit lower of a ring of chess, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of my students, I had the, the rare pleasure of making a student happy. Good. Uh, I, I, I got to make him an all-star trophy. He collected all these keychains and all these chess dollars and really... In order to accomplish this, you, you need to devote a lot of time to chess club, and it's it's an honor. So uh, when he wins it, what does the trophy say? Does oh it, oh well, that's... do they become chess masters like you? Oh. Impossible. <laughs> Easy. Yeah. No, I, I I could still own this kid. Um, <laughs> and so this kid, he gets a trophy with his name on it, uh, and. I don't want to use his real name on the radio. Of course not. Uh, his name is Matthew Menders. Okay. Um. And I, uh, I put on his trophy, or I wrote an email about this trophy, and I said, is Matthew Mender's trophy ready yet? Mm-hmm. They said, we have not gotten the order, but we'll get the trophy ready for Matthew Mender's. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't catch this at the time. Anyway, a trophy just came out that I put in, in an order for two months ago that says Matthew Mender's. Student's name is Matthew Mender. Oh, no. And yes. the S was not silent. No, the S was not. The S is engraved in like marble onto this thing. How did Matthew Menders take his accomplishment being besmirched? Well, luckily, what we hadn't accounted for is Matthew Menders is a bit of a jerk of a kid. Okay. And so when he got this trophy, he really wanted all he wanted the trophy for was just for the day of shoving it in people's faces. Yeah. So he didn't even care. I'm Matthew. <laughs> yeah. Normal people who, who thought this would be like would also be like a, a megalomaniac who would be like, no, Matthew needs to be spelled absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this kid didn't care. Matthew was just eating it up. Yeah, he totally loved it. It wasn't until his dad came. It's the dad's again. Was this the same dad that threw you under the bus? No, no, different, this different was, dad, this different bus. Different school, yeah. Okay. This dad, I, I, I understand more. It was like, this is a problem. The name isn't right on the trophy. Because it's it. my last name. 
Yeah, probably. It's, yeah, it's his family name that I was trying to personally besmirch. It's really rude of you. Yeah. Please, please indulge our devout following with a guy from the apartment complex pun. Well, I don't know where in time this podcast may find you. But tomorrow, on the 14th, we remember the heroic stand that our forefathers made at Gettysburg, armed only with forks. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, yesterday was Lincoln's birthday, but tomorrow is Valiant Tynes Day. You're welcome. Do you use Facebook, guy from the apartment complex? Yes, yes I do. Do you enjoy the social networking tool that is Facebook? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's highly intriguing. It's, it's very sophisticated. Quite. Yeah. How, how do you use it and how do you think it could be improved? Um, well, I, I use it mostly um, to further my more radical agendas. Uh, it being a social networking platform, it's a good place for it. For sure. How do you do that? Well, yeah, how how do you do that? I feel like the people who really crack that will be the madmen of our era. Yes. And I think I've discovered how to really get your message in front of a lot of people. Okay, do, pray tell. Everyone's so interested. If, if you're, John Hamm is if, listening. If you're trying to garner up, you know, people you need for a focus group, but your, your status update gets buried in the social media morass that can be Facebook, then you just post it again, need five people for my focus group tomorrow, it would help if your name was Jeremy Lin or Whitney Houston. So you use the system they've been using of grouping stories based on select words from your status? Yes. Use as many of those as possible. Go to your news feed. See what things are being grouped together and write about those things that have shown up on your news feed. That's pretty clever. Can you give us a unique example of how we could use that? Well, I, I'm tinkering with it, and this was not successful. On the night of the Grammys, I wrote... Um, I like s'mores, but sometimes they're too Grammy. I'm not gaga over that. I was trying to be very subtle. Right. To sneak past the censors. To test them. Uh, but it, I did, it did not trip up on gaga or Grammys. Well, you never trip us up anywhere, anyhow. Guy from the apartment complex, we always love having you around. Any last words before we depart? You know, I got some socks, some really good socks that I really like. Okay. And I found them on the sidewalk outside of my apartment and i don't know what brand they are but i'm going to post a picture of them to my facebook um so if you know what brand they are tell me so i can buy more further down the rabbit hole we go but that seems fitting for this episode uh thank you very much guy from the apartment complex we'll check in with you next time bye all right that's our program we want to thank you so much for checking us out we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did we want to take this moment to thank our guests. Thanks to Church Williams, Candice Frizee, Guy from the Apartment Complex. Special thanks to Sammy J for the Rhythms. Thanks to Bop, as always. Thank you, Trent. You'll see us next time, or you'll hear us next time, on TP with TP. That's the podcast with Tom Polos. There's always more at thepolosbrowns.com. Happy New Year's.